Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. John is thinking, look, I'm in prison right now, but hey, no big deal because the Lord's going to come and spring me out of this joint. And see, John knows that. He believes that. But the days go on and the weeks and the months went by and John sat in this dirty, damp dungeon and the devil was sure to sow seeds of doubt and discord and discouragement. And and, and John starts asking and starts questioning and doubting. And he says, Lord, are you really who you say you are? Have I made a mistake? Have I wasted my life? Should I be looking for someone else? John is in the dungeon of doubt, my sermon topic. In the dungeon of doubt. Raise your hand if you read the book Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress. Well, good, that's a few of you. Uh, Many more who have not, it's a classic. I would encourage you, pick up a copy. Matter of fact, I've got a a viral order in a couple cases. Uh, Pick up a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. It is a great book. I read it many years ago. And it's an allegory. The story is written as an allegory. And it's written by John Bunyan, who was in prison in Bedford, England, for preaching the gospel without a license. And the story portrays a pilgrim, his name is Christian, who was fleeing the city of destruction. He was on his way to the celestial city. He had been pointed through the gate by an evangelist and came to the cross. And while he was pilgriming, he met Hopeful. And Hopeful and Christian are journeying down the road and they stray off the path and they come upon an old field and they lay down and they go to sleep. And this field was near a castle called Doubting Castle. And the owner of the castle was named Giant Despair. And Giant Despair went out for his morning walk and found Hopeful and Christian sleeping on his property. And he woke him up and he said, what are you doing on my property? And they said, oh, sir, we were on our way to the celestial kingdom. We wandered off the path. We got tired. We fell asleep. And he took him and he said, now you're mine. And he grabbed them and he threw them in Doubting Castle. And while discouraged, sitting in Doubting Castle, Hopeful reminded Christian of the key that was in his pocket. And the key is the promises of God. And they took the key out and they put it in the door and they opened the door and fled out of Doubting Castle. And Giant Despair was in hot pursuit after them. And he fell on his face and they escaped. And you see... John the Baptist is in Doubting Castle right now in the grips of giant despair and locked in the dungeon of doubt. And two of his disciples, they come to make a prison visit. 
And they tell John, they, they tell John all that Jesus began to do as he was healing the sick and, and, and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead. And they begin to tell John all that Jesus began to do. And John tells them to go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we keep looking? John is discouraged and doubting. Now listen, this is the same John who pointed to the Messiah and said, Behold, look, look, fellas, everybody, look, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The same John who saw the, the heavens open and the, the Spirit of God descended on Jesus in baptism. And John heard the voice of the Father say, This is my beloved Son. Everyone listen to him. This is the same John who said, I must decrease and he must increase. This is the same John who said, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He's mightier than I am. This is John who Jesus says there's no one greater than him. The same John is at the place now of fear and doubt, despair and disappointment. Can I share something with you today? I think it's natural. It most certainly is natural to have doubts from time to time, especially when you're going through difficult times. Many great men and women of God went through seasons of doubt. Abraham and Elijah, David, Moses, Peter, doubting Thomas. Remember, Mary and Martha, Jesus shows up and they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't be dead. Times of doubt, times of discouragement. Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to the father of a demon-possessed boy, he says, if you can believe all these things are possible to those who believe, and in helpless confusion, doubt and despair, he said, Lord, I believe. Help my, what saints? Unbelief, you know that. Many godly men and women find themselves doubting God. And listen, it doesn't mean you're half a Christian if you doubt God. It doesn't mean you're any less spiritual if you doubt God. I bring this to your attention because many people come to me. You know, Pastor Rodney, I, I feel like a hypocrite. Why? Because I've been doubting God. I'm angry with God. You see, God is able, can I, let, me, let me share something with you. God is able to work through your doubt. Did you know that? You know, someone once wrote and he said, if God is not larger than our doubts, he is not large enough to be our God. And that's very true. God can work through your doubts. And so the disciples came to John and John tells them to go back and ask Jesus, is he the coming Messiah or should they look for another? And notice Jesus doesn't. Do you get this? Look at verse four again. He doesn't give them some big theological dissertation. He simply says, go tell John what you have seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus is quoting, if you write in your Bible, write this in the margin. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 35. And he tells John simply this, saints. John, remember the Bible. In your fear. In your doubt, in your despair, in your discouragement, John, remember the word. John, remember the prophecies. John, remember 
what I said. And as it is true, Jesus often in the scriptures, in the midst of doubt, listen, listen close. In the midst of doubt, Jesus often, the scriptures often, right in the midst of that doubt, he gives a further revelation of himself. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, well, notice in your Bible again, he told John, John, I am the one who makes the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the blind to see. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, when people find themselves in doubt, God reveals himself. Don't you remember the story of Moses? Of course you remember when Moses was standing there at the burning bush. And Moses said, Lord, he says he's at this place of doubt. He says, Lord, who will I tell sent me? And the Lord said, I am has sent you. And for the next 40 years, God spent 40 years revealing himself to Moses that he was the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provided. Moses, I'm the one that provided the manna that came down from heaven. And it was Jesus who later said in the New Testament, he said, I am the bread of life. Moses, I am the one who provided the water from the rock when you guys were thirsty. Hello, this is a miracle. Water coming from a rock, this is a miracle. But Moses, you got to know, I am the one that provided the water from the rock. And I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the one that provided the quail. When Jesus talked about water from a rock, remember he stood on the, he stood on the stairs there in the temple in John chapter 7. And he says, hey, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and I will give him water that he will never thirst again. He is that water. And then the quail. And Moses, I'm the one that provided you meat. And I'm the one, I am your buckler. And I am your strength. And I am your shield in a time of war. I am. So in the midst of doubt, God reveals himself. You remember Hagar. Don't you remember Hagar? God revealed himself and said, I am the God who sees and hears. Acts chapter 18, he said to Paul, don't be afraid. I'm with you. For I have many people in this city who are with you. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul prayed to be healed and God said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul was looking for a healing and instead he got a revelation of the grace and the sufficiency of God. God reveal. I say all that, say this, God reveals himself right in the midst of your doubt. Amen. And you should be glad about that. You see, did you get it? In every one of these situations, the Lord gave further revelation of himself. Moses, I am that I am, whatever you need. Hagar, I am the God who sees and hears. Paul, I am your friend, your protector. I'm the omniscient one. I know everything. I'm always there. And see, God is seeking to work that way in your life and in my life. In those times that you are full of fear and you're full of doubt, it doesn't matter what you're fearful about or what you're in doubt about. Whether it be promotion on the job or the promises of God or maybe you've been praying to have a kid. And man, we've done everything and nothing seems to be working. Whatever it might be, you're in doubt when you're in fear. Whether it's school or 
you know, whatever it might be. It's in that time of doubt that God wants to give you a revelation of himself. But here's the key. In the time of doubt, now here's how you deal with it. In the times of doubt, what you have to do is turn your eyes away from the doubt and put your eyes on Jesus. This is how you deal with it. See, when you find yourself in doubt, don't go to the psychiatrist. Don't go try to get a script for Prozac. When you find yourself in fear, you find yourself in doubt, the thing to do is to turn your eyes from the doubt, turn your eyes from the fear, and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Don't you know that song? I love that song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's all. So you turn your eyes from the doubt, you turn your eyes from the fear, and you say, you know what? I choose to fix my eyes on Jesus. Now let me give you three ways how to deal with doubt. Got a pen? I want you to write these down. Three ways to deal with doubt. Number one, very important, stay in the word. Amen, saints? Be a student of the scriptures. That's how you avoid finding yourself in this place of doubt. That's how you deal with it. Stay in the Bible. Do you notice from your text, Jesus quotes the word. And Jesus is saying, John, I'm doing what the word said I would do. Remember John's in prison in the dingy, dark, doubting place in prison? And, and God says, John, don't worry about that. Understand this. It's about the scriptures. It's about the word. It's about the Bible. I'm doing what the scripture said I would do. Jesus is saying, John, think about what the Bible says will be the ministry of Jesus on earth. Rearrange your thinking so that it conforms with what the Bible says and nothing else. John, don't think about what the local rabbi says. Don't think about what your friends say. Think about what the word says. The way to deal with doubt is to get in the word. Get in the word. Secondly, how to deal with doubt is very practical. Hang out with people who are full of faith. Don't hang out with, okay, here you go. Here's Doubter Stuff 101, okay? All right, don't hang out with people who are doubters. That's deep theology. Don't hang around people who are doubters. People who hang around people who are encouraging. Hang around people who are up. You've heard me say it many times. I'll tell you again, there's two kinds of people in the world, in my humble opinion. Two kinds of people in the world. Number one, there are balcony people. I call them balcony people. And then there are basement people. Two kinds of people in the world. Balcony people are people who are up. They're, they're excited and they're, you know, it's nice to be around people who are, I love to be around people who enjoy the Lord. I am amazed at how many Christians look like they've been sucking on lemons. You know, how you doing? Well, hallelujah. Like, what's up with that? You know, they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice or something. You know, they just come up. Well, Hallelujah. No joy, no joy, no joy, no joy, no joy. And they wonder why they have such struggles in their life when the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I cannot imagine why some Christians are not joyous. I am as happy as I could be. Amen. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm happy. 
And, and, and because why? Because I should be, because I serve a God who is in charge of everything, and he's glad to be in charge of everything, and he, he's God. And, and I serve him, and, 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 and I know him, and he, more importantly, he knows me, and he knows my situation, and I don't have a reason to be fearful or doubting or whatever. So that causes me to have joy. And I love to be around people who are balcony people, people who have joy. They're just a joy to be around. When you walk in a the room, they just light up the room, and it's joyous, and you want to invite them to their, your parties and stuff, because you know they're going to bring joy. But then there are Basement people. Basement people? Yeah, those are people, they are a bummer to be around. And as soon as you walk, you know, everybody knows some basement folks now. How you doing? Well, I'm okay. Everything's bad. You know, basement people, man, when you walk in the room, they just suck the life right out of you. You can walk in joyous. You walk in, hey! Praise the Lord. Oh, they go, oh, yeah. And you just walk out prune, shrinked up grape. You know what I mean? You're just like, all oh, her life has been sucked out of you. And it's just like, I'm so sorry I came around you. You are such a basement person. And coming around you, it's just like a bummer, man. They bring you down. Well, see, now, if you are prone, some people are prone to pessimism. It is true. It could be a sunny day outside, and they'll say, yeah, but it's going to be cloudy. <laughs> okay, fine. What do you want me to do with that? Okay, yeah, all right, fine. I mean, some people are just prone to pessimism. They find the worst in everything. They find everything is bad. Everything is a bummer. Well, if you're a doubter, don't hang around those kind of people, okay? Because you probably wind up committing suicide. I mean, it's going to be terrible. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you just go around those kind of people, before you know, you're just like, look, man, you're right. You're right. Let's just end it all right now. Ah, oh, yeah. Let's end it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just don't, don't go around these kind of people because they're doubters. They're basement people. Well, if you, I'm just trying to be practical here, people. If you want to, to, to deal with doubt, well, number one, stay close to the word and stay in the word. Number two, you want to hang out with people that are full of faith. And then thirdly, very important, stay close to God and take your doubts to him. Here's the operative word, honestly. And that's so important to be honest with God, Lord Help me. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I have doubts. That's what John did. John says, Jesus, I'm in jail. I'm about to be executed. I'm down right now. Lord, I need to be reassured that I haven't wasted my time. Are you the one who was to come? Are you the promised Messiah? He didn't try to cover it up and act spiritual. He just said, Lord, be honest with God. Remember, God knows where you are. All things are naked and open with, with him to whom we have to do. So God knows already. We think we're hiding stuff from God. You know, God, I'm angry with you right now, but I won't tell you. Okay. You know, we think we're hiding from God. You're not hiding anything from God. God sees through you just like glass. God sees just like glass. You think you're hiding from him, but he knows just where you are. Just like when you have kids. You remember playing this game with your kids? You, you play hide and seek with your kids? And you tell them, okay, Johnny, 
go hide. And, and Johnny goes and hides, and he's, he's like, he's hiding in the closet, and he goes, they don't know where I am. And you play along because it's fun, and you're just kind of walking around the house. Well, I wonder where Johnny is. Hmm, where's Johnny? You know, where is he? Is he in the closet? And you walk, you open the closet. Nope, he's not in there. You shut the closet. Is he down the hall in the clothes hamper with the dirty underwear? Is he in there? Nope, not in there. In the bathroom. Is he in the toilet? No, not in there. And you talk really loud so they can hear you because they think they're hiding from you, but they're really not because you know where they are. You know where they are. And they're in the closet. They don't even know where I am. That's amazing. I can't believe how good a hider I am. You know, you know kids, kids, kids. You know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. And, and see, aren't we like that with God? Ah, you don't know where I am. Now, I don't need to be honest with you. I mean, you don't know. God knows. God knows exactly where you are. And you would be doing yourself a favor. If you say, God, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm going to say, God, you know what? I'm bummed right now. I'm not liking life a whole lot right now. I'm not liking my situation a whole lot right now. You be doing yourself a favor, see, because when you're honest with God, God can deal honestly with you. But when you're not honest with God, God can't deal with you because you're not being honest. You're not being honest. And you're fooling yourself. And you think I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, okay? We're not okay. As a matter of fact, in your dishonesty, you're worse off. You understand? So be honest with God. And say to God, you know, be honest. Tell God how you feel. Tell, and, and you know, I, I'm one of those kind of people. Tell God how you feel respectfully. You know what I mean? Because some folks think I'm just going to tell God and give him a piece of my mind. You know, it's like don't give too many pieces away. You don't have much left. <laughs> you know, don't give too much. I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. Well, be careful. But what I'm saying is be honest. And just say, God, you know, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm full of doubt. God, I'm full of fear. God, I'm full of anger. God, I'm full of disappointment. You see, God's a big boy. He can handle it. He can handle your honesty. What he cannot handle is your dishonesty, which is hurtful to you, ultimately. And then he said in verse 6, blessed is he who... Notice, is not offended because of me. In other words, Jesus says, don't get derailed by your doubts. Don't stumble over the Savior. Don't miss what God has for you because of your doubt and because of your fear and because of your pain. Maybe you're here today and you're doubting your situation. Maybe you're doubting your salvation. Don't doubt. All you have to say is, Father... I don't know about this thing, Christianity. I don't think there's any wrong thing wrong with doubt, and there's nothing wrong with skepticism. There's a real problem with unbelief. We talk about that in another sermon. But there's no problem with doubt. There's no problem with skepticism. You know what? A healthy amount of doubt and a healthy amount of skepticism, stay with me, is good. You know, those people that follow David Koresh, was he a Waco guy? Wacko, Waco, whatever they were. Remember that? If people had had a healthy dose of doubt, a healthy dose of skepticism, 
they wouldn't have found themselves in that situation. Jim Jones, many, many years ago, they wouldn't have found themselves in that situation. God has no problem with doubt. Maybe you're here saying, I doubt my salvation. Let me tell you something. There's no doubt about it. If you say, God, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. God, I I need your help. In my situation, in my circumstance, God, I need you. If you say to him, Lord, come into my life, reassure me of my salvation, make me new, Father. Do, Do your work in me, God. Listen, there is no doubt about it. God will do it. He said, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you call on God, see, the reason why God doesn't answer because you don't pray. So if you call on God, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, if you call on God, God will answer you. God will help you because this is the kind of God we serve. I am what? Fill in the blank. He is whatever you need. Ego eimi is a a Greek word. Ego eimi, I am. Anything what you need, but you have to call on him and you have to ask him. And don't doubt, and don't be full of fear, but be full of faith. And God can do great things with your life. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.